Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. I'm going to go ahead and uh, pat myself and you on the back. Uh, we we It's onward. We're still recording the podcast. Our teams are a collective painful 0-4. Um, I'm used to this. You're not. I mean, I'm honestly to the point now where I'm like, well... We know that there will be a podcast that gets recorded where one of us gets to record after a win because our teams play each other eventually. Correct. That's a good point. We're not going to be over. We know that. Somebody's going to get to record a podcast after a win. Okay. Um, So I'm going to, I guess maybe the word, I think refute would be the word to use here. Something that I've seen on Twitter and quite honestly, I think it's something that you maybe put on there once or maybe even you said something on the podcast anyways so the general thought process was comparing this year to 2007 which we all know was okay. like the crazy Cra- yeah sure craziest yeah. season probably ever in college football in terms of who was ranked number one who was in the race for the national championship who actually won the national championship because it was a two-loss team yes craziest year that i can remember correct so I mean, for the most part, 2007 was the same as most college football seasons, except the 15% up, upset percentage was up to like 35%. Right. I mean, it was basically the same, you know, just higher upsets, which of course got us to what you just very accurately broke down. This is a standalone insane season to me. This well, yeah, is- I did mention, I think it was on the cast, I I might have tweeted it, but I think I mentioned on the cast that this is probably going to be the craziest year since 2007. Or maybe it was a tweet. I don't know. Yeah, but this is like comparing it to 2007 to me, I guess, is just, I don't know. It, it's it's like comparing Earth to Mars. It, it is two completely different things. It's like we're 2007 at. on steroids. I still think that's too much of a comparison. This is just 100% by itself. I, we're all going to get through this together. Um, and look, <laughs> and look back, I hope, you know, somewhat recently and just be like, boy, that was nuts. Well, and we all then, knew it was kind of a throwaway year. We were just happy to have football. We yes. knew it was going to be nuts. Yes. So let's just do our but, best to enjoy it. But knowing that it's going to be nuts and actually tasting them nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's two different things. Some peculiar um, nuts. <laughs> so I'm going to use two teams to compare this too. Um, pre-apologize, one of them's Iowa. Okay. Before the season, I thought to myself, very, very low chance that Iowa beats Penn State. And I got to see it to believe it to beat Wisconsin. Sure. Um, if, you know, Michigan was on the schedule, I would have thought the same thing, right? Yeah. You know? I don't know. Michigan, I expected a step back, but I expected... Expect a step back for Iowa, so okay. I don't know. I would, I would have thought it to be competitive. Okay. Um, with that being said, there was a couple teams on the schedule that I would have assumed wins over. Sure. There is no assumptions to be made, winning or losing. Looking like it is weird. Iowa is at zero and two. I maybe see more potential wins or plausible wins might be the thing to say than I did. Two weeks ago before the season started. Interesting. Do you think I'm crazy? That, okay, there? that's not crazy. But here's the here's the the most crazy thing about what you just said. That they're 0 and 2. And they their two losses are to the two teams that you and I both picked to finish sixth and seventh in the West. And we pour But I know what you're saying. Like you look ahead and you're like, well, we could beat that team. We could beat that team. I mean, I think most Iowa fans cautiously thought three and start would would be something that they could expect. Completely opposite of that yeah. as it stands right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I keep thinking about our predictions. There was this time in my head where I had Northwestern picked all the way to second in the West. And then I just threw it away. You know, like I just thought there's just too much to fix on this offense. You know, that's what I thought. Um, so that's one way to look at meaning. My my point I'm trying to make is essentially the only team in in this entire league that is who we thought they were is 
Well, Ohio State, but exactly. Hold on, Wisconsin. We we pretty much okay. expected them to be good. Okay, but we haven't seen much of them. But but there's reason to believe there's trouble brewing there. I mean, we still don't even know if they're going to play. Well, that's Purdue. a good point. And 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 you know, Rona's going through, so it's going to throw things. But I off. think I might throw Indiana in there. Okay, that's I think fair. They're, they they are fair. who we thought they were. Okay, as Denny Green famously said. But but we didn't think they would be. We didn't think they'd be two and zero. Okay, that's a good point. You know, we thought they'd be one and one. Yeah. Um, so that's one way of looking at it. The other side would be using Michigan State as a team to look at. Okay. Sure. The John L. Smith Misery Index was at a 9.5 out of 10. Which uh, I disagreed eight, with. But we, Yep. And by the way, <laughs> we DM'd. He also believes he had an overreaction of a 9.5. <laughs> but like, I think that's part of the fun of is. the John L. Misery, John L. Smith Misery Index. It's dripping with emotion. Yes. But I think this is a perfect representation of a lot of other fan bases. Okay. <laughs> Michigan State was near the top or at the top of my big, sad fan base rankings last week. Yep. Guess who's at the top of my big, happy fan base rankings this week? I mean, it's Michigan State. That's how quickly things are going to change. This is going to be an emotional roller coaster for almost every fan base from here till the end. Well, and I'm glad that you brought it up on the last podcast. But as we know, week two is overreaction week, right? So now we're seeing the rebound from the overreaction I think week fair. for a lot of teams. For the most part. Yep. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's something we all know, but I don't I wasn't gonna th- I wasn't thinking about it. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Because I'm gonna, I'm we're going to bring it. it up quite a bit here. Okay. All right. Um, anything housekeeping or outside before we get to the breakdown of the games? We've got nothing, man. Let's yeah, just go. We'll save that for the uh, podcast later this week. Okay. First game up, Woo-hoo-hoo. Friday, October 30th. Maryland, 45. Minnesota, 44. That was in overtime. Okay. Let me pause here. The Terps had 675 yards of total offense. One more time. 675 yards of total offense. Obviously the highest this week, probably going to be the highest yard total the rest of the year in the Big Ten. I mean, yeah, yeah, probably. Maybe Ohio State feasts on somebody and goes over 700, but I doubt it. But just to clarify, that's the Maryland Terrapins, right? They got 675 yards. Correct. Okay. The Gophers had 451 yards. Not too bad. Of total offense. Couple of other crazy things here. Okay, Maryland turned the ball over twice to to Minnesota zero. Ten penalties for ninety-seven yards. So so far, removing the six hundred seventy-five, we're looking at a typical Maryland game. There was negative there, two. There, in the there, turnovers. Was, there was a general lack of want to by the Maryland defense, which we're going to see. Probably the rest of the year because they, I think they even lost a couple more guys on defense in this game, if I could remember from watching it. Uh, but, but you look at, I mean, Maryland had 394 yards passing. So, uh, uh, a, you know, a six yard play away from four hundo on, on the passing yardage, 281 yards rushing. Well, and, and the thing that's even more shocking than that is that they averaged over 10 yards per play for the entire game, run or pass, averaged over 10 yards per per play that they ran, which is incredible. So this game was obviously exciting. Blast to watch. A lot of fun to watch. And I know Gopher fans listening to that are going to, you know, crinkle their their faces up, and I understand that. But, like, for the other 13 teams in the Big Ten – just getting that on a Friday night to start the weekend, incredible. I mean, Twitter was electric on Friday night. It was, but also it was – it was fun, but it was kind of a guilty fun because the defenses were just so pathetic. You're like, it's like you're doing something and having a great time, but you know you're doing something wrong. <laughs> exactly- that was the feeling that I got. Like someone's gonna catch me. I know it. I know I'm gonna get caught here. I'm just having too much <laughs> oh fun. Oh my god, that is excellent. Um, okay, so I want to give a little bit of props out to Maryland first. Okay. Yeah, my god. I mean, I'm Tulia Tungavaiola was. On point. He looked like a Tonga Vailoa. He did look like a Tonga Vailoa. He looked very Tonga Viola ish. Um, 26 of 35, 394 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Um, can you give me a little bit of credit here? Me, you, and Chappie were texting before the game, and I said, God help me, but I'm going to take Maryland mm-hmm. in the points. Yep. Not, not, not on the money line. That would have been you know crazy. But right. And my point that I, I said was I saw some talent out of out of Tulia and the wide receivers yeah, for sure. last week. I think that's going to show out. And then I said it on the pod. 
I just didn't think Minnesota was going to score enough points to outscore Maryland by 19. This was a or 20. This was a 20 point spread. Right, and that's exactly what happened. That is exactly you nailed what it. happened. So, I mean, I I liked Maryland plus the points, but it was mostly because of the kicking game. I just the the field position that the Govers had given up to Michigan. It it wasn't nearly as bad this week, by the way. I mean, the kicking game ended up True. being their Achilles yep. at the end of the game. But but overall, the kicking game wasn't nearly as bad. Huge improvement over right. the first week. Right. But that, I just had no confidence in that. I figured they'd just be giving bad field position all night and didn't quite go that way. No. Um, right now, the Minnesota back seven on defense is so lost that I'm a little concerned they're going to be able to get this pulled back together the rest of the year. I, I would say the front four isn't exactly found. No, no. no so we not. had, we've been talking about how much this defense had lost from a personnel standpoint, but we had confidence that Joe Rossi was going to make it look functional. It does not look functional no. at all right now. No, I, I just don't think, I don't think there's anything there for him to just work with. It's, it's not much, man. I, I just don't think it's going to work this year. Um, the offense still looked good. Gopher fans are they're irate on how little of passing attempts Tanner Morgan had. I don't know if I agree with that, though, not. because I liked the game plan. Come out, run won't. the ball, run the ball, run the ball. You figure you're going to wear down Maryland before too long. It just didn't really happen. I mean, I liked the game plan. I know, I know, you know, six points was in overtime, but you, you know, so let's call it 38 points in regulation. You should win 99 out of 100 games that you score 38 points. Yeah, maybe you want to get Agent Zero more into the game. Tanner's a proven quarterback. I get all of that, but this loss is not on the offensive coordinator. No, it's not on the offensive coordinator at all. But also, you got to give Maryland credit for doing a good job in Rashad Bateman. They took him out of the game for the most part. They were basically like, beat beat us with somebody else. Right, that and, and Ottman Bell is the guy that, Dude, that feasted Bell, off of that. Ottman Bell looked good. He um, looked great. Maryland's safeties did not look great because I know we're talking a lot about Minnesota's defense, but... Maryland's defense is going to continue to be a problem, but there we were. It was 45 to 44 in overtime. Maryland scored first, kicked the PAT. Minnesota scores pretty quick, and it didn't seem that PJ even made a, a choice. There was no, no debating. He sent the kicker out there. Again, I don't mean to break my arm, pat myself on the back, but I was texting my Gopher buddies and Twitter. I'm like, go for two, go for two. I did not trust the kicker. I mean, I'm, he's he's coming off a groin injury. He's a young man. Also, also, that front seven of Maryland had no chance of of stopping Mohammed Ibrahim. He was doing everything he wanted to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. I really felt like that so. Was you the, would have gone with a running play to Mo from for the two point conversion, or throw it up to Agent Zero. There was a plethora of plays for PJ to pick from. I mean, I see what you're saying. Um, I think I'm. I I was shocked to find out that I I think I'm in the minority. Like everybody thought, just go ahead and kick it. Well, I mean, I can see you're on the road. You're having this terrible game. Let's just go for it. Get this damn thing over. Either we win or we lose. It's not crazy, but I think PJ is just saying, you know, it's an extra point. I have I have confidence in the, you. This isn't this isn't fire PJ because of that call stuff. I I just I don't think it was a bad call. I guess no, it, it wasn't a bad call. It just wasn't the call that I would have done. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some individual performances here. Not only did Tulia Tungavailoa have a good game, twenty six of thirty five for three ninety four. Wow, three touchdowns. Int also ran for sixty four yards and two touchdowns. But Jake Funk, that's who I want to talk about. Jake Funk. 21 carries for Maryland, 216 yards and a touchdown. This guy was recruited as a safety. He was a low three-star guy. Maryland beat out the Air Force Academy to get this guy. For real. Yes. Now, he showed some flashes pretty early on, but then the poor guy had two ACLs in consecutive years. He's one of those guys I just never expected to see or hear from again, right? The fact that he has been able to stick it out, I mean, he he, he doesn't look like you would expect the running back to look like. But, boy, um, he was effective on uh, Friday night, and I'm kind of rooting for the guy to get some yards this year. Oh, me too. And then Mo Ibrahim, we talked about him, 41 carries, Ibrahim. 200. Damn it, Ibrahim. 41 carries, 207 yards, and four touchdowns. And those were all in the first, first half. First half. Yeah, me and you were uh, 
talking at halftime that maybe he'd take a run at T-Rex's uh, uh, all-time touchdown record. I'll just say I was pulling for it. I okay. wanted to see him get nine touchdowns. <laughs> All right, so in the end, Maryland wins, moves to 1-1, one and one, Minnesota Falls to 0-2. All right, moves on to Saturday. We had two 11 o'clock a.m. games, noon games, if you will. We're going right back into the surprise uh, situation here. Michigan State 27, Michigan 24. Check out the stats. Sparty, 449 yards. The Wolverines, 452. You can't get much closer than that. This was the biggest spread on the ledger this week. At one point, this was over 25 points, I believe. So if you had took Sparty on the money line, you'd have had yourself a nice payday. Um, Crazy, but like the stats bore out essentially the the score. I mean, the stats were pretty much were very you know, uh, even. Yeah. I mean, you look at passing yards, 300 to 323 in favor of Michigan state rushing yards, 152 to 126 in favor of Michigan, big difference in penalties. But for the most part, yeah, you're looking at two very similar teams that, that should have resulted in a close game. Right. And not at all the 25 point spread that people had a chance to gamble on. This was, uh, another one that I took the points with sort of uneasy, but just thought it just seemed like too many points. Uh, not to, not to pat myself on the back again, but like I was five and zero going into the Saturday night game as right. far as picking against the spread, taking over and unders out with it. I, I did not think Michigan state would win the game, you know, but I, 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 kn- I knew that they would be closer. What, what was seen the last week versus Rutgers was almost entirely turnover yeah based. we talked about nine turnovers seven plus the two turnovers on downs so there was a lot of rumors swirling around michigan state you know just a month ago that like this was one of the lowest teams in the conference that that wanted to quote unquote play the season they start the year sloppy and lose the Rutgers. Sure. that looked like a charged up and ready to play team on saturday to me well okay so one of the biggest things i took from this is i just wonder how serious does Michigan take the Michigan State game? It doesn't seem like it. I like mean, they need to just they need to they need to get serious when they play this team. Like Michigan State, they came out, they wanted to kick some ass. Michigan's just the, my big word for Michigan is meh. That's just how they they so seem the whole game. We are not a big hot seat talking type no. of guys, but there there will be articles written. Sure. On Jim Harbaugh this week, and there's you you can't deny those at this point. No, you can't. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I think he's kind of Michiganing okay. at, at Michigan, but uh, to me, the way that they played this game, I is mean, his kind record of at home, his record at home versus Michigan State and Ohio State, Harbaugh, it's not good. This is not good. No, it's not good at all. He's only beat. I think it's only one win. One win, I think, against yeah, Michigan State a couple years ago at home. So. Uh, it's it's incredible. You so, can't this is Mel Tucker's first year. They, I mean, not only that, he got in the game late. It was into 2020 before he even yeah. got this job. It was like was it March even? I, I February I think February March. Maybe I, February. I think it is before Rona, you know, took over, but it's before Rona took yeah. over, yeah. So I think February, but like that's the short period of time the season on and off, so he did, and they pulled this win out on the road in the big house. I know it's and, an empty big house, but like, and the other thing is, they looked competent on offense, and and they looked good on defense. I agree. Yeah. So okay, misery index. Do you know what the misery index is at for right right now for John L. Smith? <laughs> did you see it? An, another overreaction. He has it at zero. He has it. <laughs> did you? Has he been DMing you the picture? Yeah. The yeah. Picture. I got his. <laughs> I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask him if I can post this okay. on Twitter because it's pretty. Funny. There's a picture. This is, this at, is it's a at, playoff Mel Tucker at Dougie D underscore twenty three. Um, <laughs> a big big lister, uh, uh, very interactive on Twitter. He's a great follow. Picture of him smoking a stogie with a hat on and sunglasses. His his head cocked back, looking into the air with a bottle of Jack Daniels on the other hand. He has no shirt on and he's got some tattoo that I can't even figure out. On his chest. That's our boy. Um, <laughs> a little was, bit. Of, it's a little bit of playoff. Uh, Mel Tucker. He's got the stogie. And anyways, he was but, celebrating yesterday. But again, like we had said at the beginning of the podcast, 
really shows you the, uh, the how things can change in, in a fan base, one fan from one week to the next. Absolutely. Um, I also want to point out Rocky Lombardi. Yes. Okay. Please. 17 to 32, 323 yards, three touchdowns. He looked good. No interceptions. Remember how much the communication was poor versus Rutgers? There was none of that. They looked great. I'm, this is my official public apology to Rocky, Rocky Lombardi for having no confidence in, in him as a as a quarterback. He's, I mean, he still had decent stats the first week. He piled up some yards, but I mean, very efficient. Looked good. Yeah, looks great. I agree. And also, we thought that there was a few good wide receivers on this team. There's another one in Ricky White. My gosh, eight receptions, 196 yards, and touchdown. That dude was all over the field. Jaden Reed has been a godsend. The transfer from Western Michigan. They've got some weapons here. Yeah, yeah. This suddenly this Sparty team looks better than certainly me and you, and I think a lot of outside people thought it was going to look. The one thing I would point out is the Mel Tucker uh, first year at. Colorado had big ups followed by big downs mm. followed by big ups again. We've already seen that week one to two. We'll see if that's a, a theme that kind of plays out with Michigan State over the year. But right now, Michigan State fans don't care because they got that big W. Another thing, I challenged this offensive line at the beginning of the year and said, I, I, we see pieces there. They have a lot of experience. There's no reason they shouldn't be serviceable this year. They looked pretty good yesterday. I'm still curious what is going on with Elijah Collins, though. Yeah, it's weird. I just he's just like a, an afterthought now. So weird. Going from leading rusher last year, so uh, Jordan Simmons again, 14 carries for 55 yards with a leading rusher, which isn't great. I'm just wondering why he's so deep on the, the rumor the is bench right he now. just got into the doghouse and has not got himself back out, but that's nothing I can confirm. So hmm. yeah, interesting it's a story to watch. So Michigan, okay, so it was the Joe Milton show yesterday, pretty much, right? Yep. It was this is really all they had. That was their whole that was their whole offense. Yeah. Um, if he wasn't gonna do it, it wasn't gonna happen. And I think that'll work just fine when they're going against porous defenses, yeah. but uh, a little bit more stout defense that can confuse a quarterback, he's gonna have issues, which means the, the Michigan offense is gonna have issues. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't love the wide receiver play from Michigan. The running backs did not produce yesterday. I, I'll say it again. I just kept Looking, this was my secondary game, but I kept looking over and just saying, "Meh, Michigan just doesn't seem all that interested." Yeah, um, and part of it, you know, I feel like then you're kind of taken away a, a little bit from Michigan State because obviously they had something to to, to yeah. do with that. Good point. Um, what I, real quick, um, uh, Corum, uh, Blake Corum, Blake Corum, that man. dude looked really quick in that game. I thought he looked good, but other than that, man, there wasn't a lot of flash on the offense. No, and their DBs didn't look. Great. I mean, they were getting burned consistently yeah especially by ricky white but yeah, yeah overall they, they've got too much talent in the defensive backfield to look like that i think i agree something's got to change look better pretty quick so with the win sparty moves to one and one michigan falls to one and one so tighten the big 10 right now i'll say that much next game up purdue 31 illinois 24 the boilermakers with 456 yards of offense the illini 472 mm-hmm. yards mm-hmm. of offense uh, pretty much, uh, uh, Vegas nailed this one, uh, seven and a half point spread over under 59. They, they were pretty much on top of this. So if you're not going to say it, I'm going to say it. So I'm going to start it out. I'm giving props to Illinois. Like it yeah. looked like, like if, if they charter two team buses from the airport to the hotel, they probably didn't need the second bus. Cause I think that many people just stayed behind. Didn't yeah, even I think need it was, to... I think it was 14 that were out, but in terms of like, starters or big contributors it wasn't a huge number but when your number one quarterback is out your number two quarterback is out your number three quarterback gets injured very early in the game suddenly it's starting to feel like there's more like 20 or 30 guys that are not playing jumbled around offensive line i mean there was a lot of stuff but what did they do they played the football contest so they played hard they played hard they were there's plenty of reasons for them to have given up in this game and they did not give up and they played a great second half so i find it hard to give my team credit a lot of times but i have to give them credit for going not only taking the field but taking the field and playing hard i find it continually hard to give purdue a lot of credit but it's something i'm gonna have to start working on i guess well Um, i don't know because look in the first half well, I'm, let me start by saying these are two not good football teams. Okay, I'm I'm sorry to 
come down on Purdue a little bit here. Purdue, you should be happier 2-0. But they're not a good football team. In the first half, Illinois played football about as badly as you can play. Well, I, okay, if I hear somebody say they're not good, that means below average. I think Purdue I is... I think they are. At, really? Yes. Wow. Okay, I would, I would at least say Purdue is average. Okay. Average to, I would actually say, just slightly above. Because Aiden O'Connell is... Good. He's playing the quarterback position well right now. He is good. I 29 do like of 35, 371 yards, two touchdowns. Yep. And now, by the way, I won the bet. We had an over under 300 yards. He won over 300 yards. Um, now, last week, pretty much every passing yardage first, yardage first down touchdown was to David Bell on the Iowa defense. This week, it was kind of the Illini pass defense that you've talked about a yeah. lot. It, it bored out. Um, we'll see, you know, when, if Purdue, if they play Wisconsin, that would be a heck of a matchup. If we could see that Wisconsin defense versus this Purdue offense, it would be incredible to see. I hope we get that game. Um, but you know, again, it's not like Purdue hasn't gotten hit with some crazy stuff. Their coach out first week. Okay. The, the, the weird enigma wrapped in a, a riddle that continues with Rondale Moore. Yeah, he's got some stuff, you know, brand new defensive coordinator. Yeah, and they sure. Figured out a way to go two and zero. Yeah, no, they have. I mean, give them credit for going two and zero. But Illinois was absolutely putrid in the first half of this football game, and they were only down by seven points, which is probably they had the, a legitimate shot to tie this up. It's probably the miracle of the entire weekend of college football that they were only down seven in that first half. Now. There's a reason for that, and you're 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 trying to make a case for Purdue being a good football team. Oh my gosh, roughing the passer penalty, a couple of other huge penalties, an unsportsmanlike, a red zone false start, a fumble. There's a point where they should have kicked a field goal. I don't know why they didn't. They got no points. A pass interference, a big drop that would have been a first down, an offsides, a delay of game, just bad punting the entire game, another pass interference, another fumble, a dropped interception they should have had. They were playing terrible football, too. So that doesn't exactly represent well to Iowa or Illinois because that team. That was one of my tweets is like this Illinois team is playing putrid and Purdue is up only by seven points. This is not a good look for the Big Ten West. No, there's been a lot of bad looks for the Big Ten West so far. And this this definitely is one of them. But I mean, in the first half, I was ready to burn my diploma. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. I still continue to think that the Purdue defense is not Indianapolis worthy. I, I don't think that. I got to think even even some of the hardest Purdue football supporters would agree with that, right? I mean, a busted up Illinois offense ran the ball well versus them. Yeah, they ran the ball pretty well, 177 yards rushing. But then I think more surprising is the almost 300 yards passing from a fourth-string quarterback. Crazy. And by the way, let's talk about Karan Taylor, the the fourth-string quarterback here. This is a a guy that everybody wants on their football team. He's a total program guy. He's from Peoria, Illinois. He was the first commit of their 2018 class back when Lovey realized that you were allowed to recruit in-state players to play for your football team. Um, He was kind of a mid-three-star guy, you know, not a ton of programs after him, but pretty athletic dude. He came in, was kind of swimming in the offense, you know, wasn't picking it up. He's in his third year now, pretty athletic dude, and he just is a guy that never complains. You know, each year they keep recruiting over him, keep recruiting over him. You never hear about him wanting to transfer. He's always positive on Twitter, and he finally gets a shot. Now, he had a handful of really big mistakes, but overall, you have to be proud of him. 17 of 29, 273 yards, two touchdowns, did have a couple picks, but man, I saw some good things from him. Hats off to that guy. Yeah. Love to see guys stick around, get a chance. I know they didn't pull out the win, but, you know, hopefully if he gets more steps, it winds up being a season for him to remember. All right. So two 100-yard wide receivers for Purdue, that's pretty impressive. I think if David Bell was not on that team, they probably would have lost that game, but David Bell is on that team. and, and I, had that was... that, I had a very similar thought week one. <laughs> With the win, Purdue moves to 2-0, and and the Illini fall to 0-2. We had two afternoon games, of course, with the Wisconsin-Nebraska game being canceled, which is weird because I never heard about that from Nebraska fans on Twitter yesterday at all. I I, I had no idea that that a game had been canceled. It was almost as if it didn't happen. (laughs) First one up, Indiana 37, Rutgers 21. The Hoosiers with 
343 yards of offense, the Scarlet Knights with 247. Um, overall, the um, the Vegas people did pretty well uh, on this one, too. I had the Hoosiers cover in the 10, which they, they did. Um, one thing I would say is that um, the sign of a good team is when you don't have your A game, mm-hmm. which Indiana did not yesterday. Yep. Probably because of the things that we talked about, the hangover off of a literal historic win that they had the week before. I know Rutgers isn't, you know, an upper echelon team, but it's drastically improved and they still won this game by two and a half scores. I think we're looking at a good Hoosier team here. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously scary in the first half, but by the end, you felt pretty comfortable about the Hoosiers. And maybe part of it, too, part of their sluggish start, is they're just not used to being the ranked favorite part of it. It's like a new place for them. Yeah. What do we do with this? We have to play well. That's what we have to do. Wait, so we're supposed to play well? Yeah. Oh, someone should have... Should have let me know. I, I had no idea. I mean, last week they get ranked. I know what Hoosier fans were thinking. They're like, we're going to be ranked for one week and lose this game and lose our ranking, aren't we? So they get another week to continue on with that, you know, that number by their name. This is fun times for the Hoosiers yeah. right now. I mean, out of the gate, Rutgers came out really good. I think uh, maybe that's part of the sluggishness on the part of Indiana. But boy, in that first quarter. I just I cannot believe how much better this team is. Meeting Rutgers, Rutgers. Um, me, you, Dustin Schuette was putting it out there. I mean, has Greg Schiano wrapped up the Big Ten Coach of the Year already with a one and one team? They I mean, might all- not only they might only win one or at most two more games, but yeah. if they do that and they keep looking this competitive. It's incredible what he's done. It's just you, it's so rare that you see a coach come in and immediately take over a bad team and and see such a drastic improvement. I, not just bad, horrifically yeah, bad. Yeah, like like generationally bad. Generationally bad. And we were talking about the Rutgers program being as bad or maybe worse than like those seventies, eighties Northwestern Tim, teams. Yeah, up there. Um, now, with that being said, they only had two hundred forty-seven yards yeah. of total offense. They didn't have a lot of offense last week versus Michigan State True. as well. Um, again, credit cr- when credit's due. They're, they're fighting and, and clawing their way to, to stay in these games. Somebody is going to eventually just play a straight-up clean game against them, and it's going to be bad. Like, yeah, probably. You know, like, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Vegas starts to – treat Rutgers as the year goes on, you know, um, I'm, I'm curious to see what these lines look like because it is my sense that at some point the season will just quote unquote catch up to them because I, I just, I don't think I see enough on offense right now to keep up with that many teams. Yeah. And offensively for me, it, I mean, Noah Vedral, he's, he's fine, but he's not great. But I, to me, the big problem is just offensive line. I yep. still don't see great offensive line play. Really, yeah, really you do have him. a couple really good playmakers though. I mean, Bo Melton, we talked about him preseason. I always thought he was a good receiver. He just never got the opportunity. He's finally right. getting the opportunity. He had uh, four catches, 50 yards, two big touchdowns on the day. And then the running back room. Pacheco looks great. Yep. Adams looks great. Yeah. I mean, there's some there's some talent there. There is some talent. But, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I'm, it's just overall it is hard for me to see that offensive line and just, you know, getting the overall cohesion that you're going to need on an offense first year out in the field together like that, it's going to be tough. But um, on the other side, Indiana, Penix Jr., 17-26, 238 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, still a, a little bit erratic at times, but but then good. Like, I don't yeah. know, that maybe just – Consistency is, is what he needs to work it, on. Yeah, it's consistency thing. Stevie Scott, a fair 79 yards. Again, it, it wasn't an all-timer of a performance for Indiana – but well, they still won. Yeah, they still won. So only 105 rushing yards on 40 attempts. Pretty bad from the Hoosiers. I expect more out of them. But I think a big part of that is the way the defensive line for Rutgers was playing. I thought they looked great, especially in the first half. Yeah. I mean, now, now they, there was that tip intersection, interception deep in the red zone that Indiana got, and they scored two quick touchdowns after that, and that's when the game really flipped. That's when they finally woke up on offense and started playing like I expect them to. But before that, man. I thought Rutgers was really controlling the line of scrimmage when they were on defense. They just look more physical. They did. They look like and Dwum for my gosh has been a godsend on that defensive line. Yep, guy, guy is he is so strong. They got some talent. They do. All right, with the win, Indiana moves to a very fun and impressive two and zero. 
Rutgers, also a pretty fun and impressive one-and-one, if you will. Next game up, Northwestern 21, Iowa 20. The Wildcats with 273 yards of offense. The Hawkeyes with 293 yards of offense, 20 more yards of offense. This basically was down to a pick by uh, game time. Um, well, uh, two and a half points is where a lot of people got it. Uh, over under 46 and a half, so this was an under, which... I mean, so, you know, kind of the joke that I saw with both Iowa and Northwestern fans was it felt like 2020 was healing itself because this looked like an Iowa and Northwestern game from the jump and throughout the whole thing. I mean, it, it kind of, well, the start was uncharacteristic uncharacteristic for Northwestern, correct. But like you look down the offensive stats for Northwestern, this is kind of what you'd expect for them, right? 273 yards and they win the game, only 130 passing yards and they win the game. Only 143 rushing yards. So the one thing I want to point out, like 143 rushing yards is nothing to sneeze at. Okay, against the, the Iowa defense, that's right. probably true. It's the, but they the, averaged 2.4 yards they, per thank carry. Thank you very much. It's this, it took them 60 rushes to get to 143 okay, that's yards. that's not so good. 2.4-yard average. <laughs> like, um, I mean, obviously. So, but they won the game. I know. I know. Like, And, and I, you know. I okay, s- here's the deal. We... This, we have a podcast that we do here, right? You're an Illinois fan. I'm an Iowa fan. We have what we have gotten tired of, and we've said this numerous times on the podcast: is these people that get on podcasts where they write articles and they act like they're not slanted when we all damn well know that they're slanted. ESPN writers are damn well slanted towards the SEC and even now the ACC. It's pretty yep. freaking obvious, okay? Me and you are slanted too. Yes, we're slanted in the fact that we both hate Northwestern. I can't stand them. <laughs> And I was and sitting I there, the, you know, the Hawks go up early on those two uh, turnovers by Northwest. I'm like, finally, right. finally, they're going to get theirs. God damn it. Um, and then been, it just flipped. It's been interesting. So um, tweeting back and forth with some Nebraska fans, they they very much enjoyed Iowa gacking the 17 point sure. lead away. I wholly understand as a Nebraska fan that you'd be happy with Iowa losing that game. If the shoe was on the other foot and it was Nebraska, I would feel the exact same way. Nebraska fans, though, still have not come around to the understanding. They think, just like a lot of teams do, well, once we just get good, Northwestern won't be They'll just go away. They they don't get it. They still lack – we've got 20 years, me and you, 25 years – yeah. of experience with this Northwestern team. Yeah, I mean, it's for me, it's back to 1995. Yeah, 94-95, yeah. That was the start of it. Absolutely. And and I I know there's at least a few Northwestern fans listening to this. We're th- There's tons of compliments that we have. The fact that an Illinois and Iowa fan both hate you I know. means that you're beating you're, us and you're playing the game that you have to play to beat us. You continually do it, and it happens. And then you laugh at us. Yeah, pretty much. And yes, please take this as a compliment because I can't tell you how freaking frustrated I am watching Northwestern just win these games that just out of and we talked about is Fitzy going to pull the magic wand out of his arse well he did he's done it twice now um starting the game out like we mentioned two quick turnovers by by Northwestern Iowa capitalized on both of them boom boom touchdown touchdown 14 nothing get another kind of short field go down kick a field goal not only did the Iowa offense look good at that point, Spencer Petrus looked good at that point. Yeah, he looked solid. He looked pretty good. Yeah. Now, Northwestern came alive. Their rushing attack, the offense for Northwestern, really it had one quarter where it looked good. It was the second quarter. Those were right. two really good, well-thought-out, sustained drives for for 14 points. Sure. But Iowa got another field goal on the board. I mean, it was 20 to 14 at half. Now, and, I know I'm going I felt, mostly I, off, off of Iowa Twitter, but Iowa Twitter was melting down. Oh, I had point. no confidence that Iowa was going to win that game. I, I pretty much thought I was over it by halftime. They do this thing. Uh, Chad Lysko does this thing. Iowa writer, three-word headlines. Yeah. You just you, you can only sum things up with three words. Mine was, I hate reruns. Because <laughs> that's what this was. That's what it felt like. It was coming. Then in the second half, Spencer Petras fell apart. Oh gosh. The Iowa offense fell apart. There are stats going around right now about the Iowa's offense, second half offense in Big 10 play, the last 7-8 games mm. isn't just bad. It's atrocious. Wow, so that says something about the the coaches not 
making adjustments or not not adjusting to the adjustments of Bingo. the other team. Bingo. I don't know how. I don't know what else you can point. Yeah, to that's coaching to me. It's coaching. Mm-hmm. Yep. Offensive coaching. Lots of anger against BF in the uh, Iowa football Twitter world. Sure. I I think a little too much towards Spencer Peters. He's literally played eight quarters of football. He's even had, I would even say four, maybe even five good looking quarters of football so far. Yeah. It's just that those other three, we'll call it. When he's awful. when he's been bad, he's really atrocious. Really bad. Now, okay, of course, credit to Northwestern, but overall, when you look at this this Hawkeyes team, they've regressed in a lot of areas compared to the last couple of years. I mean, the quarterback play is not as good. The offensive line play is not as good. The pass rush isn't as good. They don't have that playmaker in the defensive backfield we're normally used to. They don't have the big linebacker that's all over the field that we're usually used to. I just feel like there's. You take it's basically Hawkeye's light. That's what this team is. I don't. I do not disagree with that. Um, th- there is talent. I still believe there's talent in the receiving core. Brandon well, Smith looks good when he gets thrown to. Sam Laporta looks good when he when he gets thrown to. And they're not taking Goodson, advantage of. Goodson looks good running the ball. Like a lot of those players that we expected to look good have looked good. There's a couple guys that have certainly gone missing. I I I think the offensive line. See, I feel like the offensive line for Iowa is getting bagged on too much. Okay. I think the play calling that it's getting put behind is causing the issue. Fifty pass attempts. For Spencer Petras. I mean, that's not what you want. No. That's not how Iowa's used to winning games. Um, but I don't feel like they're taking enough advantage of their playmakers on I offense. agree. Oh, there's no argument there. And then as far as the defense is concerned, again, I saw a lot of Hawkeye Twitter, even some buddies of mine, melting down about how bad the defense was. They gave up 273 yards of offense. Well, no, the defense was not bad. But that's... But they, but again, they. I agree that it's Hawkeye light defense, yeah. but I think that's more skewed towards really how good the Iowa defense was in 2018 and 19. Um, yes, the pass rush isn't quite there, but Davion Nixon is an absolute wrecking ball. He, he is. He, he is playing be, well. He might be the best defensive lineman in the Big Ten oh, right that's, now. That's bold, but he is playing He's well. He's up there. But like Iowa rushing, they they only gave Goodson 13 carries. Yep. Um, Amir Smith Marset had seven receptions. Laporta had six, but like. Yeah, Brandon Smith only three for nineteen yards. I feel like you got to get him more involved. Hundred percent with Brandon Smith. Yeah, the Tyrone other thing Tracy too, only had two catches. Yeah, I just Tyrone think, Tracy has gone missing yeah. this year. Um, he might have a expanded role moving up here. But um, um, one thing that uh, uh, we all love to see as an Iowa fans versus uh, uh, USC in the Holiday Bowls, the jet sweeps. Sure. Brian Ferentz talked in the off season about how he quote unquote saw the light. And seeing how the jet sweeps open things up, I I saw Northwestern fans talking this you know this middle of the week pr- previous week saying if Iowa gets the jet sweep stuff going to Amir Smith Marset, it could be trouble because actually there was a couple times when uh, even Maryland was able to get to the perimeter because our defense still is just not that quick of a defense. Sure. None of it. Saw no, none nothing. Of it in nothing. This game. Just zero imagination on offense. That's that's the BF era. But let's talk a little bit more about Northwestern. Boy, they have some. Scheme here on defense. Did you did you notice the get on the the list of leading tacklers? Chris Bergen, linebacker, twelve tackles. Patty Fisher, linebacker, eleven tackles. Blake Gallagher, linebacker, eleven tackles. It's just like they filter everything to those guys. It's almost like their whole team centers around their head coach, who was a linebacker, and sees the field through the eyes of a linebacker. Yes. So they cater their defense to the strength, which is their linebackers. linebackers. And they do it well. But their defensive line. I mean, there were a ton of times where there was just nowhere to throw for Spencer Petras because the defense is exactly where they needed to be because they're that well. I mean, every time. They're never out of position. No. They almost never blow coverages. Almost never. Like, you have to throw straight over top of them. Like, Ohio State would be a horrible matchup for Northwestern. They match up pretty well with everybody else. Right. That's, That's the facts. And, um... Offensively, though, they boy, they just they have I mean, no the, pass catchers. No, they they just got, but they don't. Well, I take that. I don't agree with that. They okay, don't have. Who do you like? They don't have playmakers. They have pass catchers. Well, they have guys yeah. that catch the ball. Okay, but I mean, yeah. Payton, look at Peyton Ramsey, eleven of eighteen. Yep, one hundred and thirty yards in a pick. How many football college football contests do you win when your quarterback has one hundred and thirty yards in a pick with no touchdowns? Not many. With that being said. Third down plays that needed to be made. He yeah, made them. Yeah. That was you could sum it up that this entire game was 
who, which quarterback made the plays on third down and which ones didn't. Sure. Peyton Ramsey did. Spencer Peters did not. Well, that's what Peyton Ramsey does. But yeah, I guess you're right. Um, but overall, just they don't have any game breakers on offense still. I mean, I guess their game breaker is Peyton Ramsey. Like, he just, he just brings it all together. He's like the glue. Agree. Yep. It's just, it's just so it. frustrating. I know. They're doing it again. It's what they do. Yep. I can't believe it. It just never By the ends. Way, six total turnovers in the game. Right. How about you call, it? You called five, right? Wasn't that? No, I was talking about penalties. Penalties. That's what I, I think. I, I mean, I was confused. joking a little bit. I, right. I said it yeah. like three and a half, I think, right. was the over yeah. under. Which, okay, I was okay, so they had. But nobody expects six penalties or six turnovers in this game. No, but they did have nine penalties total in the yeah. game. I mean, I wouldn't have said it at three and a half. I probably no, would have put, said it like little. seven and a half, right. but they went over. All right, with the win, Northwestern moves to 2 and 0. Iowa falls to a very disappointing 0 and 2. We had one evening game, which was the Big Ten game of the week. Ohio State 38, Penn State 25. The Buckeyes with a robust 526 yards of total offense to the Nittany Lions. 325. Pretty crazy here. Uh, Vegas absolutely nailed this. Absolutely nailed this. They were... Buckeyes were favored by uh, 12. They won by 13. The over-under was 63. It was 63. How oh. about that? By the way, greatest push of my entire life. Put this one, <laughs> put this one in, put this one in late as an under. That was an over the entire second sure. half. Somehow hung on for a push. Thank you so much, Penn State, for going for too late there and uh not getting it. So going into this game. We thought Ohio State was going to be the better team. Sure. Exiting this game, Ohio State was the better team. Yeah, and I think the thing that sticks out the most to me is just how ready Ohio State is every game when they take the field. Yep. I mean, the the execution, too. Right from the start. From it's, And this is why they have such an amazing coaching staff. They look like they had a full preseason to prepare for this, and nobody else does. It helps having the talent they do, yeah, but, but but they execute, they're well coached. They're well coached. They execute so they do. gosh darn well. It's amazing. Ryan Day is an architect, man. I mean that that the the you know it's not a trick play, but just kind of the manufactured play right from the get go. Boom, right down the field. They knew what they knew what they wanted to hit there. They knew it and they hit it. And again, the timing was perfect. The exchange was perfect. The blocking was fantastic on that play. Gone. And boom. Gone. Um, when you talked about something that was the most surprising, to me the most surprising, Ohio State with 208 yards rushing to Penn State's 44. That, to me, was the biggest stark contrast for stats of the entire day. I mean, Ohio State ground out their yards, for they sure. They, they did. They averaged 4.6. So it's against, against a really good Penn State D, but I'm still going to, until they prove me wrong, the big weakness on this team is no home run hitter from the backfield. That's it. I mean, they're. This is why they may not win a national championship or may not make the playoff or whatever is because they have to rely so much on the passing game. They're a pass team first. I agree with that. I and that's when you know. If and you, now we are we are picking nits here. I know. Right? Um, because the passing game is amazing. The rushing game it went for over two hundred yards versus a good I defense. Still I know a good defense. Very, so. But yes, you you typically like to see the home run hit, but maybe it's one of those deals where it, it kind of winds up working to your advantage in a weird way because if they they don't have the home run 14-yard run and they get themselves into more manageable second and, and fives, maybe they're just a more consistent offense because of that. Yeah, maybe. You know what I mean? But there, like, was, there was at least one or maybe two runs from Master Teague where if it was J.K. Dobbins, it would have been a touchdown. No doubt about that. He just doesn't have that burst that Dobbins does. Not I mean, close. not many people do. but But I tell you what. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are the truth. I mean, they are studs. They're both NFL wide receivers right now. Playing in playing in the Big Ten conference. Playing in the Big Ten. Same with Justin Fields. He was Justin Fields. 28 of 34, 318 yards, four picks, no or four touchdowns, excuse me, yep. no picks. No picks. Insane. This it, is a good defense that he did that against. It is a good defense he did it against. Um only scary part of this game, that hit he took at the end of the game when the game was, I mean, the thing was they're only up by 13. Yeah. So I was, you, you keep your, no, you had to have him in, but cause I was wondering that, like, would people say, why is he in? No, he had to be, he in, had to be in. And yeah. the look that Ryan day. Oh gave, gosh. He's like, <laughs> Jesus, oh, God. He, so anyways, but yeah, that's literally the only scary part in the game. Whenever Ohio state needed to turn it on, they did. I, I kind of want to give a shout out to two Penn state guys. One, mm -hmm. maybe, you know, 
Sean Clifford. Okay, 18 of 30, 281 yes. 81 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Doesn't blow the stat sheet out, but he had no running game and to he, work with. And he kept his team in his in the game. I, I thought agree. like like from a, you know, spiritual side like he was pumping people up on the sidelines. He wasn't giving up when they were down big and they kind of mounted a little bit of a comeback. You know, it could, yep. it could have gone, this game could have gone awry, but I thought, I thought Sean Clifford is the reason it didn't. Yep. Um, and then a big shout out to Jahan Dotson, eight catches, 144 yards, three touchdowns. And one of those eight catches was the sickest catch I've seen. Maybe so far this college football season, all of a sudden yep. Dotson looks like, a stud for the yeah. Penn State Nittany Lions. I mean, he looks like the next big star. We we asked for that preseason. Who was going to emerge from this wide receiver room? Well, I think we know who it is right now, Jahan Dotson. It wasn't just that one catch. It was He had two big catches in a row, both on Sean Wade, probably the best corner in the entire conference. So I, that was amazing and impressive. Yeah. Yep. Um, also, different team in the second half, I thought Penn State was. They got a little help with that field goal at the end yep. of the first half, yep. but they look like a different team. So I think got to give James Franklin some credit to the adjustments that he made and just the team overall for never giving up when, I mean, they're, they were outmanned. They were, I mean, they're it, good. As, as talented as Penn State is, they were outmanned and they just never gave up and they hung in there and looked respectable. I, as crazy as this is, I still think Penn State is in the, is in the running for Somewhere around third or fourth best team in the league. I, I call me crazy. I think they're still up. Oh, there. I, yeah, I do too. Okay. Yeah. And, and and Ohio State was definitely better than them. No, like, they were def I, they were it, it yeah. It it is hard for me to picture a scene where Ohio State does not win the Big Ten football conference. Oh, me too. And one more thing about Ohio State is we we wondered about their defensive line, what it would look like. We figured it'd be good certainly by the end of the season. We weren't sure how Soon it would look good. They looked great early in this game. I agree. I mean, like, I, I I still don't. I'm still not sure if you know the, the the cheat code they had a defensive end last year. Sure. to get to the quarterback just makes such a huge difference. But if they just like you have to have faith in Larry Johnson, one of the best position coaches yes. in the country. The defensive line is just going to keep getting better and better. Yep, they're going to be well, well above average, probably nearing elite by the end of the year. Yes. Okay. With the win, Ohio State moves to 2-0, and and Penn State falls to a disappointing 0-2, which is a nice segue into the weekly big happy and big sad fan base ranking. So we'll start with the happy. We'll start with the happy? Yeah. Okay. Again, the fan interactions with the happy, just not even close to the fan interactions with the sad, because this is Twitter. So at number seven, I got Wisconsin. They didn't play. It just is what it is. And number six, I have Ohio State, because Ohio, Ohio State, State does what they you know expect to do. Now, a lot of this could get jumbled up here, but I have Purdue at number five. Okay. Um, probably pretty much expected to win that game. Purdue fans, even at 2-0, still unhappy with things that they see. Now, you did point some of that stuff out, so maybe they got... I think they have some reason to be frustrated. Number four, Indiana. Now, Indiana could be a lot higher. Uh, get the win as a ranked team. So I wouldn't argue with somebody going higher. But again, I kind of put more lean on the the weekly side of this. They expected to beat Rutgers, and they got it done. Sure. So, uh, number three, I have Maryland. A home Friday night win like okay. that. I mean, they had to be a lot of people thinking, are we going to win a single game? I mean, this we, year? we both predicted them to go 0 and 8. So now they got a chance to get one or two wins. So that had to have been a fun game for them. Number two, I have Northwestern. I mean, the style of them winning against a rival on the road, it, it just is such a Northwestern feel to them. This feels so normal to them. Well, you know? here's the thing. Preseason, they all just expected to re revert right back to 2018 form, and I was like, I just don't think it's going to be they that easy. Exactly like they look exactly like 2018, and they were right again. Yeah. So yeah, that's I can see why they're not number it, one because it's just yeah, of course we're we're I Northwestern. It's what we do. I, I I'm I, I'm bad at writing these tweets down, but I saw one. I, I don't think it was a Iowa fan, but it was a Big Ten West fan. It just said, Oh God. This season sets up perfectly for Northwestern. It was right there in front of all of us, and he's right. <laughs> he's right. We just, we just, what, did we, what were we thinking? Well, this is going to go down as one of our most frustrating things that we did to ourselves here. Of course, I feel like me and you have, are a part of this, and we would have got away with it if it wasn't for those damn kids. 
And number one, this is crazy, Michigan State. I have them the happiest fan base. Yeah, they have to be. Absolutely incredible one week to another. Beat your rival. Insane. I mean, if the misery index is at zero, how could anybody be happier than them? <laughs> um, okay, big sad fan base rankings. Um, so, side note, I didn't rank Nebraska because I could not figure out where to put them. I don't well, want them supposed to say. They're 0-1. They're on the sad side. They are they on didn't the sad side because they didn't get to play. But yet, they didn't actually... I'd put them at the, the least sad. Is that fair? Okay, if you want to put them at 7, that's fine. I'm putting them at 7. Okay, that's fine. Um, I just don't have them ranked because they're sad that they didn't get to play. Yeah. With that being said, I would rather Iowa got a non-week than losing. I, losing is worse than not getting to play the game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think so. All right, number Probably. 6, I have, I have Rutgers, and I, I have them low because I don't... Think they feel sad? No, they They're one and one. Yeah, and they, they, and they, they look like game. they look like a competent football team. I yep. mean, how much more can you ask compared to where they've been the last few years? Correct. Number five, I have Illinois. There were dogs going into the game, and we already yeah. discussed it. They fought their butts off. Fourth string quarterback. How Fourth. upset can you really be? I mean, don't get me wrong. I was upset in the first half, but second half righted the ship for me. Yep. Number four. I mean, this is where it gets crazy. Penn State. I have it four. Penn State being at fourth, plausibly being at fourth, when you think about how disappointing that fan base is for being 0-2, yeah. kind of gives you a point of how disappointing these sure. next teams are. Number three, I have Iowa, 0-2, yeah. lose to Northwestern, and you'd lose to Northwestern at home when you're up 17 points. Ugh. That's pretty painful, right? Yeah. Because like at least with Penn State... They weren't expecting to win that game no, on Saturday correct. night, but and, Iowa and, was favored. And Iowa was favored in both games that they've correct. lost. Correct. And they really, I mean. They had chances to win both games. Yeah, they could have won both games. I mean, I mean, if, if you know, um, uh, Makai Sargent doesn't fumble going in, they'd right. probably win that game. Right. I know. Anyways, uh, number two, Minnesota. You got, sure. you got beat by Maryland. On Friday night, everybody was watching. That and, and your defense, defense is just putrid. That's what I think they get the the number two ranking for sad because the the you you cannot deny how bad that defense is. And, and I don't think and when you when you're cheering for a team that has one side of the ball that's just atrocious, like a defense that is a complete and total sieve, or an offense that can't you yeah. know get one first down, you know how pointless it's going to be for the rest of it. And that's what I think Minnesota fans are grappling with. Right well, and now. then you wonder, like, is there, is there a start to be some resentment between the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball? Does it make them even worse than they would be otherwise? I don't think anybody expected their defense to be this bad. There's no way. And then number one, I have Michigan. I mean, again, heavy on the on the weak rankings, but right now, as a Michigan fan, you're like, oh, so the quote-unquote blowout loss or blowout win, excuse me, that we had is against a Minnesota team that just looks awful. Yeah. Um, and your your offense, you're thinking, oh, this is the offense we were hoping for. Oh, it was against that defense. So that negates the week one win. Yeah. And so they're one and one right now. It almost probably feels like an 0 and two when you turn around and lose to. Little brother. It does. Yeah. Okay, a couple things. We have two shots to do. Yes. Joseph Petrino was one of two, the Maryland yep. kicker. So, so we're, we're even doing shots on just attempts. It's a attempts. Okay, all right. So the one thing we kind of swipped, uh, uh, skipped over here a little bit was the weekly Eisman. So go ahead. So we got a lot of good candidates this year. Obviously, we had a hard time cutting this down. I mean, this this is one of the they tougher. Should all get, they should all get mentioned. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could have given it really to almost any of these guys, but obviously Justin Fields, another great game, but we're getting to the point where we just expect it from him. Aiden O'Connell with 371 passing yards against Illinois. If they weren't passing all over the field, they wouldn't have won that game. Taulia Tagovailoa had a great game and a big win. So did Jake Funk. We mentioned him earlier in the cast. Love seeing him perform. And then Jahan Dotson had a fantastic effort in a loss, though. So what we're going to do here, we're going to give it to someone that we have not given enough credit to up until this podcast right here. Yep. Someone we've disrespected. Accurate. Yeah. I gave him a little bit of respect. And he's shoving it in our face right now. He's proven us wrong. Yep. Rocky Lombardi was 17 to 32 for 323 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks in that huge upset win over rival yep. Michigan at so we are, Michigan Stadium. We are 
definitely factoring in who the player is and who they were going against because we feel like at this point a well-oiled high school team might be able to put up 400 yards of total offense on Minnesota right now. So Correct. kind of throws Maryland's two guys out. Yep. A little bit of the same thing with Aiden O'Connell going yes. against the not-so-good Illinois pass defense. Justin Fields is literally just... He, you could he, give it he, to him every week. That's the thing. Like, And we need to give it to him soon. He'll probably just get the big ward at the end of the <laughs> he year. May, yeah, a little guess, preview but, here. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's let's just go ahead and give it to Rocky Lombardi, who I did call a poor man's Tim Tebow at the beginning of the year. No, a destitute man's <laughs> Tim Tebow. Yeah, <laughs> Correction. He's he is now into poor man's level. I correct? think so. It yeah. isn't so destitute. He's, no, not destitute. He, he's got a couple job offers that he's he's, that he's, he's going be. through some rough patches in life, but he's still Tim Tebow. All right, is that all we got? Yeah, that's it. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you soon.